Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, building the Mount Rushmore of hymns, and beginning our talks about immigration. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me in first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston. Dad, what is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? So for me, it was crawfish, but I love them. That was the weirdest thing I ever ate at this point. But I absolutely love them. Gavin? Alligator. Alligator. There you go. Yeah. And finally, third chart panelist, Ryan Mayberry. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I'd say either chicken heart or durian fruit. Because chicken heart is just weird when you say it. But the durian fruit, that was the most perplexing. Yes. I can't can't really describe how it tasted. It was like rotten eggs with the consistency of snot. (laughs) It was more complicated than that. It wasn't quite it so was vulgar. Bizarre. No, yes. it really wasn't that bad, but it was, it was for the weird. Palate yeah, it, it started off good and then turned into like a, a chalk almost in your mouth hmm. that tasted a little bitter and then had a lingering taste. It was, it's hard to describe. <laughs> it, it's that food Time that release. you put in your mouth and your cheeks immediately blow out. <laughs> Because you're trying to make room for it to go somewhere where your taste buds aren't. <laughs> yes. Well, it's also called stinky cheese fruit. So, uh, you, you know, with that name, you have yeah. to know going Somebody's in, it's going to be interesting. So, Ryan, I, I know Molly was. I assume, Gavin, you raised your kids this way. Were you raised with what we called the missionary principle? What's if, it? if it's put in front of you, you eat it. Well, yeah, it's either, well, it was slightly modified. Mom said, you know, you either eat what I make or make your own. So yeah, there you go. If we don't make it something, which we never did. So. Right. And because we were always taught that if you ever do go to the mission field and you eat, you know, you, if you turn it down, you're going to offend them. Mm. So they, they, they made us practice that at home, you know. Uh, so we always called that the missionary principle. Uh, when my brother finally threw up after lima beans, they, they quit doing that. But nonetheless. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of missionary uh, principle. I, the weirdest thing I ever ate was plantains. And it was just weird because it was the potato of Puerto Rico. And so they used it as potatoes, but they also used it to make lasagna. Like they used it for anything and everything. And it, uh, it, was, a it was interesting. It was starchy, yeah. yeah. But it looks like a banana yeah. before you cook it. It was interesting. Um, those in the audience, if you'd like to share with us the weirdest thing you have ever eaten, text the number on the screen and I'll share them throughout the show. Um, And as always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Um, I did have a listener tell me that there is no way to comment or like or share on like Apple podcast or the Bethel website. If you listen there, that's why I specified now tonight that you should go to the Facebook post on Bethel page because that's where I share that. They could listen to it on those other Yes, but things. you have but to comment, like, and share comment, on like, Facebook. If you want to comment, like, or share, go to Facebook, yes. And we would appreciate that very, very much. We sped through the intro, so we technically have seven minutes. Oh, is, there, there. is there anything else we want to talk about before we jump into Ephesians or just dive? Okay, so tonight we're moving on, and we're actually going to finish the first chapter of Ephesians tonight. Hopefully, um, <laughs> now it jinxed us. Now it's not going to happen. Sorry. Um, do you want me to go ahead and read those sure. verses? Yes, and what I'd like to do uh, is basically read it in sections. So uh, I'm going to read it, and then we'll come back and discuss it it in sections. So the first one is, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. So he's talking, of course, to the church at Ephesus. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, this is what he's praying for, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, that wrought, W-R-O-U-G-H-T, means brought about, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, now he goes into a much, I guess you could say, more detailed list, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so, wow, uh, th there's a lot going on there. And so, you know, we, we brought out in those first uh, few sections of Ephesians chapter 1, uh, who, this is who we are in Christ. Well, now I think he's kind of ending it who God is, and, and, and who we have backing us up type thing. So uh, comment before we just dive in. I, uh, I agree on your assessment. I also kind of saw it, <clears throat> chapter one up to this point, being on the depth, depth of God's grace. And then this section seems to be more about both his power and us coming to know and understand his power. Yeah, and another word, authority. Mm. He, he's got the authority and he's sharing it with us. Yeah, to have uh, a, that long sentence there about the power that he used to, ra to raise Christ from the dead essentially deeds to us the power of resurrection right? Uh, and access it, to it. I don't think we understand that yeah, it, on a daily basis. That's right. Again, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. You, you've already won. You have to have confidence and you have to walk. I, I, go, I go back to Joshua. Wherever you step your foot, it's yours. So, going back to that first verse, which would be 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. So, this is what we should be doing for each other. We should be praying for one another. We should be praying for Friendship Baptist Church. We should be praying for Oak Grove and fill in the blank because those churches have faith. They're, they're, they're exercising their faith for Christ. Yeah, I labeled these first few verses as a model prayer for Christians to pray for other Christians. Mm, very good. Uh, like, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in you in our prayers. You know, we share prayer requests all the time. And sometimes, you know, some people won't reach out and share them, but you can still be praying something like this. This is still something that will bless them, even if you don't know their specific needs at that time. Well, not to make a shameless plug, but to make a shameless plug, uh, that's part of the assessment. The assessment is to try to get us to get other churches on our prayer list. And, uh, and again, I don't think any of us are going to pray for every church in our association every day. But if we'll divvy them up in 30 days, we'll get to all of them, you know, type mm -hmm. deal. So the, the next kind of section is that. So, so what is he praying? This is specifically what he's praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, so the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How many of us have said, if I just knew what God wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Paul is praying that for this church. We should be praying that for each other. We should be asking God to enlighten you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, don't put too much emphasis on that word revelation beyond what, just what it means. Hmm. Jesus, Paul is wanting God to reveal Jesus to the church at Ephesus. Every Sunday morning, this should be what we're asking God. Every Sunday night, you know, fill in the blank right, right now. We should be asking God to reveal unto us his wisdom and himself. Comments? If uh, you, you, I always like to take another vector off or another angle view off of the, the verse. If you put this in context of something else, you get a little bit better point made. Sure. Um, I just recently was re, I guess, pointed back to that uh, book, The Purpose Driven Life. Yes. Um, Rick Warren. Here you've got a, an apostle that's praying that these people get clicked into the purpose for which God called them or Amen. saved them, uh, put them on this earth. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than to get somebody engaged than for them to see their, their God-given purpose in the, in the life of the church. So it's really a deep prayer for another Christian to get the spirit of wisdom and, uh, he, and knowledge, and in the next verse, understanding and enlightenment, um, so that you can see what you're here for. Do you think we're oversimplifying this to say that essentially Paul was asking God to help the children at Ephesus to realize who it is they have living inside of them? You know, because, I mean, the, the spirit <clears throat> of wisdom, well, who is that? That's God the spirit uh, and revelation in the knowledge of him. Who better is going to reveal? You're fine, baby. Who, who, if you're, are you waiting on us or you waiting on them? Okay. Thank, sorry, Abigail. Um, so I, I, when I read this in studying for this, I thought, is he just basically saying for them to really realize who and what they have in the Holy Spirit? Yes. So that the You're eyes... not oversimplifying uh, it. Yeah, I think right. that's exactly we're what he's over, trying okay, to do. Okay, amen. Pray, I'm, I'm so much comforted now. The <laughs> eyes of your understanding you being enlightened that he may know or that you may know what is the hope of his calling. I feel like now we, we, he's bringing in a little bit more. So, you know, uh, you call us the three panelists, but as far as I'm concerned, you're one of them too, Molly. Uh, so what is the hope of his calling? What, how would you word that? What is the hope to which he has called you? Yeah, so, so Paul is praying that we would know. I think the hope we have is that we have... He has redeemed us and saved us from sin right. and from an eternity spent in damnation. I think that's the hope that he's that he has called us to. And it's the full package. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just that we have a, an eternal destination that's right. a blessing. You know, like it's, we're not living in prison while we're waiting for it to be right. released. We're already released. Our chains have been removed. Right. We are and living we in a, like a, a full life, right. fulfill, fulfilled life. How do you and say those yeah, words? Yeah, you said it right. And, and so... And the standard of how to live. Correct. I mean, love is the standard. Um, truth is the guidelines for that love. I right. mean, it's just the... It's so multifaceted. You get the whole package. Right, the whole package. I like that. Transcendent cause is what came to me. If we're not careful, we get inundated with this life. And we just get to rolling. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, we're rolling past all the things God wants us to do along the way type deal. 
So, so Paul is saying, I think, that he's praying that through this wisdom and revelation that you're going to get, that you'll see what it is he really wants you to do while you're here. The hope of his calling. Ryan, you got a comment? Uh, I think that was all really good. Um, I had something, but it went. <laughs> it went while I was listening. No, you're really great at putting well, it on Once the again, spot. how I know I'm becoming an old person, right? <laughs> so n- now he t- makes another turn. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So now, you know, part of that full package is pie in the sky, you know, with a cherry on top. It's heaven. Uh, and, and so, you know, so now, I, I like that. He, he's wanting us to get the whole package. Now, according to the working of his mighty power, there's only one reason that you and I can live for the transcendent cause, and that's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's only one reason that you and I can live as victors, and it's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and you just kind of go from there. Well, there's only one reason you and I are going to have a mansion in heaven, yada, 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 and that's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So, so what, what, what is that pointing to? What's he doing on the right hand of the throne of God? Interceding. He's interceding. He's lawyering. He's advocating. He's, and, you know, this is just, and I've said this before, we won't build a doctrine on this, and I've had a few people take me to the issue, and that's fine. I, I love it. Because uh, I, I think everybody should have a right to be wrong. But with that said, uh, thank you for laughing. Including uh, yourself. Including myself. <laughs> I don't believe the devil has spent one <clears throat> minute or second in hell. Mm-mm. Why would you do that? You know, we are taught through TV and other places to think that hell is Satan's corner office. Mm-hmm. That somehow he's comfortable in hell. That he controls it and Correct. rules over That's it. That's his domain, right? Yeah. Couldn't be anything further from the truth. Hell is God's idea. It, it is his creation. And I believe he got the concept from Satan's heart. Mm. Because what is hell? Separation from God. The devil basically said thanks, but no thanks. And he separated himself from God. So the punishment is, okay, you want that? Here you go. And I'm going to throw a little hell and, you know, fire and brimstone in with it. So... You come full circle. So where is he now? The richest penthouses in right New York City. We know from Job, Washington, Prince of the DC. Air. We know from Job that he spends some time in heaven, mm-hmm. accusing the brethren. Hmm. So and apparently they have regular meetings. Uh, apparently yeah. they have regular meetings, and so every time the devil brings an accusation against you, I or anyone else that God owns, Jesus stands up. And he advocates for us. I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe that if we could get about a 10-second glimpse of some of that going on, it'd change our life forever, knowing what, what, what the spiritual battlefield is, is like and the such. So anyway, uh, any other comments on that? Got nothing. All right. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. So in other <clears throat> words, there's just nothing to compare. Nothing that Putin or... I don't know how to say the Chinese leader's name. No, I don't Z- Xi Jinping. Jinping. Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping. I can only say it all at once. Yeah. Not in the <laughs> okay. Well, XI, how do you say that? Xi. Xi. Okay. Xi don't got nothing to compare to, to God's power. We don't have anything. We brag about our military power. Nothing. Splitting the atom, nothing to God. Hydrogen, nothing to God. Uh, he had it first, type thing. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, 
and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, when you have that person, and you always will, all of us will have somebody like this. Well, I believe in God, and, you know, I, I spend time with God out in the woods and this, that, and the other, and I don't, I don't got nothing to do with this church because they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Your loving answer to that is you need to read the Pauline epistles because the Pauline epistles make it very clear that Jesus cares so much for the church that he died for her. And all of you husbands out there, you feel this way. Someone walks up to you and says, you know, I like you, but I don't want nothing to do with your wife. We've got a problem. You know, and so I, I kind of get what they're trying to say. They've had a bad experience. I, I get that, and I'm, I'm very, what would the word be, uh, compassionate. toward Yeah, sympathetic towards that. But the bottom line is, is <clears throat> that a, a biblical view of the church, you really can't hold too high of a view of the church from the Bible standpoint. Yeah, Ephesians uh, 5.23, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ was head of the church. Yep. He is the Savior of the body. Yep. Well, and I think it's chapter 2, maybe chapter 3, that says essentially that all glory, you know, is given to God through the church. So, you know, Brad famously said, the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. And, you know, it's like the, are we good on time? I'm assuming, I'm sorry, I've okay. been zoning no, now. I, I'll just refer to it, because I've said it many times, the trip where I was helping this fellow get to his house after a car breakdown. I asked him where he went to church. And, well, this church was this, and this church was that, and I, this happened at this church. So he'd had a bad experience everywhere he'd went. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, you put us here together for, for a reason. And I'd already asked him if he was saved, and he said, absolutely. And so I just said, is Jesus king? He said, huh? <laughs> is Jesus king of your life? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, do you think that Jesus started the church and, and the scripture. Sure. Do you think that Jesus loves his church? Yeah. Well, if he's the king of your life, what I would suggest to you is ask him where he wants you to go and go there and let him take care of all the issues that they have. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's not me trying to be mean it, because the bottom line is, guys, y'all know this. You find a church without any issues or problems, you ain't at a church. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're uh, dreaming. You're dreaming. Uh, and so... Uh, go and let God help you be a part of the solution type thing. Well, and if there are no issues, they're probably not doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I almost said you're at a bar, but I didn't think yeah. that'd be appropriate. <laughs> I was thinking graveyard, but yeah, you're in a graveyard. There you go. <laughs> oh, anyway, we're doing fine on time, actually. Praise the Lord. I was zoning because I mean <clears throat> everything you guys were saying was good, but I was trying to figure out why I because I took some pictures from my Bible app because I found out that you can compare or you can look at other people's notes that they made for certain verses, and so I saved two of them. But I was trying to figure out why I saved them and how I was gonna put them in. So yeah. I wasn't really not There's listening to what was happening. It might know, be getting old if uh -huh. you can't remember why you saved this picture. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were. Uh, Responding to people's I have stuff gotten some. Eaten. I have gotten, and I was going to use that as a segue. So okay. if we're ready to move on, we can. Um, I did get a text from, oh, excuse me, <coughs> Carolyn Barnes. She said the weirdest thing she's eaten is octopus, and she did not like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, oh so Willie ate the Willie, octopus. Okay. Yes. I don't 
I also am not a fan of octopus yeah, either. I had it on the squid. It was it was interesting. Brian Mead bit it in some, and blue ink went everywhere. Oh, <laughs> true. true story. I think you're supposed oh. to take that out when you cook it, right? Yeah, I don't know. De-ink it. De-ink, De-ink it. it. Okay. Did you get any that I didn't get? Uh-uh. Okay, I just didn't know. All right, awesome. So moving on. So we'll we'll start Ephesians chapter two and probably do about ten verses if you want to read ahead. Um, for next week. So we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of hymns. So we did this because last week we did contemporary Christian bands and some of us didn't really listen to contemporary enough to make one. So we decided to do hymns tonight. Does anyone want to start off their list of Mount Rushmore hymns? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, First one is Great is Thy Faithfulness. I just, it's a classic, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one, I have decided to follow Jesus for me personally, mm. I, I just remember that one because of uh, a time when I was a little kid. I spent a lot of time in the woods, and at one point I was out squirrel hunting, and uh, something spooked me when I was about as far away from the house as I could be. So, and then for whatever reason, that was a song that came to mind for me to sing as I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do. I am lost. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, How Great Thou Art is another good one. Just... Uh, admiring God's grandeur and then um, so last week we did shower thoughts and I really didn't think I had any shower thoughts but then I realized that for me the shower is a time for me to reflect on what I've done wrong that day and uh, this come thou fount comes to mind all the time as a kind of a redemption song Amen. that would be my top four that's good I like it Um, I'll go ahead and with mine Sorry. And do, do you want them to <clears throat> I was just text thinking. in? Yeah, sure. If you guys want to text in your, Mount your favorite, hymns. even if it's just one favorite yeah. hymn, that's fine as well. So um, Come Thou Fountain was on my original list, but then I had to get rid of it. And the problem is, is I, especially now having played a number of hymns and when I played at Eastside and um, Conway, they have a different set of hymns that we sing than what we sing here. So there were some that were introduced to me. But um, Precious Lord, Take My Hand is one of my favorites, and it's one of my favorites because I heard it um, during a Gaither revival special, and they had um, a beautiful black woman singing, and it was beautiful. Take I just, my hand. Jesus, yeah, yeah, precious Lord, take my hand. It was so, so full, um, and so I would sing it when I was flipping sausages at McDonald's the next morning. When I had to wake up. Uh, and then Abide With Me, I love the, oh, cathedrals. Uh, a cappella rendition of that one is a really good one. And then the doxology is just something um, like it's a profound statement that I really like, and it's very stately in its musical composition. So that's one of my favorites. And then Jesus, name above all names, was one that mom sang to us as babies when she would rock us to sleep. So that's on my top four. Uncle Gavin. Uh, Tied at number four, redeemed with all hail the power of Jesus' name. Those two couldn't pick between the two. Number three, A Mighty Fortress. Mm. Uh, those powerful hymns. That, uh, yes. If, if you picture Keith Ragsdale singing that song, <laughs> that's my favorite rendition. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I'll Fly Away, number two. And then number, number one, Amazing Grace. In harmony, Amazing Grace, just you can't beat it. O Come, Angel Band would be four for me. Near the Cross, number three. Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, number two. And then Come Thou Fount uh, is my number one. Uh, you s- prone to wonder, 
Mm. Lord, I feel it. It's my favorite. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And I'd never heard that song until I come to Bethel mm. in 1987. So good stuff. Yeah. I will say um, interesting to me is, like Uncle Gavin mentioned, stately hymns. Coming from a musical theory perspective, I think that's sometimes what contemporary music is missing is that stately, majestic, very... Reverence. Yes, especially in the, in the lyrics, but, but even just musically, um, you said great is thy faithfulness is one of them, and then what was the one that... Uh, all hail the power of Jesus' All hail name. the power of Jesus' name. It's just very, like, in your face musically when you play it, and I think that it just, I don't know, like, I just can't compare contemporary to the hymns, even musically like that. It just seems very... So I'm like, it's like a, what is it? Like when the king marches between all the horses, right. like I feel like that's what you're going to hear is right. all hail the power of Jesus' Regal. name. Regal. Regal, thank right. you. That's what I was looking for. So how I heard explained to me was that it, the hymns sing about God. Mm. The contemporary music sings to, to God. God. Yeah, that, that is a really. And so both have their place. Mm -hmm. and, and both, you know, uh, it's just like that Larnell Harris song I referred to, you know, I miss my time with you. Mm -hmm. It's just so intimate and, and as such, whereas in hymns, and, and it's almost, you know, the hymns are for groups and, and the contemporary is more for the individual. Yeah, very you know? much so. And that's why it's sometimes hard to sing contemporary pieces in a group. And I think Gregorian chant has its place. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Don't <laughs> knock, don't <laughs> knock him. Um, Monty Python movie, is that where you're <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> no that's chant. funny. Uh, kind of along these Sorry. lines, um, someone, when we went to Garwood Camp, uh, pastor at Stony Point. Uh, Claude Evans. Claude Evans. He did our, um, <coughs> the adults class, mm -hmm. and he mentioned a personal opinion is that the book of Psalms is an unfinished book. And so, and I know that, like, when we're talking canal canon yeah, for the Bible, yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't want to talk about heresy, that. That's right, heresy. Yeah. But, but when you take it from the standpoint yeah. of that, you know, those are verses written praising God, talking to God, like mm -hmm. contemporary hymns. I think, I, I don't think it'd be too scary to say that all of the songs and the verses of praise that we have written up until now can be added to the book of Psalms. So, like, when I think of God's Bible edition in heaven, it probably has a massive book of Psalms of just all of the sure. all of the things that we have written to sing praises and worship him with. So the New Testament gives us the phrase Psalms and hymns. So yeah. it would maybe be But was that because of how two. they translated it and not necessarily because of what uh, was written? Oh you're making uh, it hard now. You know, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> Hey, 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 I gotta see if I, I think I just lost my thought, Ryan. Um, <laughs> it, it's annoying. Son isn't of it? a gun. Okay, well, that's okay because we're, out, we're of out of time and ready to move on to the mystery topic. So, uh, Mr. Brad Miller should be pulling up the wheel of the fortune. Wheel. I don't know what to call it. I, I think that's a, I think that's the a, wheel of mystery. The wheel of mystery to see <clears> who <throat> does the mystery topic this week. Oh, no. No. Oh, dang it. Okay. <laughs> so up. it's me. <laughs> oh, it has claps and everything. Well, we're just going to kind of continue a, a little bit of a light conversation. Then I just wanted to talk about reading because reading is one of my favorite pastimes, mm. um, probably a passion. Of course, most of the books I read are 
it's, it's nonfiction, right? The ones that aren't true, uh, nonfiction. Um, and so, but the question I had was, do you remember the first novel you ever read? And if so, what was it? Which might be hard for the boomers over here, but if you can remember. <laughs> that was a gratuitous <laughs> shot. <laughs> What's yeah. funny is, I don't think Rum I can remember the actual Rum first tay. novel what day I is read it? either. Uh, what day is it? The you got to understand, I hated reading until I became a sure. pastor. Sure. So, I mean, even yeah. even just give me even your favorite book if you want to go up from that. Well, that's so fine too. one of my most favorite, uh, and, and it would be a uh, uh, fictional novel, uh, but you want it to be non-fictional? No, no, no. It can be either one. I'm just All saying right. I typically do not. I got you. Uh, Philip Keller wrote the book Elijah the Prophet fire or something like that uh and the one line that i still have today is elijah could dare to fear men so little because he feared god so much yeah. and and it was an excellent book i i really didn't understand how evil and wicked the prophets of baal and the prophets of astrath were but they would literally the religion was the men and women having sex with the prophets and prophetesses of that particular religion. That's how they practice the religion. And, you know, you think about that, you know, on a heathen level, what person won't sign up for that, you know, right. type deal? It's a heathenistic uh, lifestyle. It's a heathenistic lifestyle, right. But you can also see why God absolutely, completely, totally got rid of it. I mean, he just absolutely, with <laughs> extreme prejudice, as someone may say. And so Elijah stood against all that, and in one day he slaughtered 850 prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth himself. I, I, you know, I was exhausted after two that's days. That's exactly what I was thinking. A day of, of hunting that, and killing two deer. Exhausting. I was exhausted. I can't imagine killing 850 prophets. Uh, anyway, so Gavin, your favorite. <laughs> so I, I didn't start in the spiritual realm of things. I, w I well, didn't get into church. Of course church. not. <laughs> we wouldn't expect that. <laughs> so I fell into the boxcar children early oh, on. Oh, yes. And uh, there's another book out. It's called Me and Caleb, which is where Caleb gets his name from. Oh, okay. Uh, if you ever run across it, it's an excellent book. It's based in Missouri. It's just a story about mm -hmm. a young guy and a, a Missouri kid, basically. Right. Um, but those were the Here, I thought Caleb that, was named after... Joshua and Caleb. Something no, spiritual. No. I said didn't start in the spiritual <laughs> realm. <laughs> well, but how long did you stay in the non-spiritual realm? <laughs> I'm still there, bro. <laughs> I wander over there all the time. There you go. There you go. They have good books. But they they yeah, do. But the box boxcar children is a great series for kids to read. Mm -hmm. um, they're kids that are essentially orphaned, and they find a way to live in in a boxcar. Yeah. yeah. Did Boxcar Willie write it? No. Oh. No. no. Not even related there. Okay. No, not at all. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, I've got a few. I, so I, when I read, I either you, uh, do nonfiction, like just for educational purposes, or the classics, because I really don't enjoy reading very much, so I have to force myself to do it. Fair. But uh, I really, there's really quite a few that I have, like uh, Frankenstein is really good, and it was way different than what I expected, because hmm. all I had ever seen was like movie clips and stuff. Uh, that was good. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was okay, but I liked Frankenstein a lot better. Um, I really liked Animal Farm quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I read 1984 and Animal Farm, and I think, honestly, 84 is a little overrated in comparison to Animal Farm, right. just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But they were both good. 
Uh, Nonfiction-wise, the Gulag Archipelago was one that really I enjoyed a lot. It was it took me forever to get through it because it's really long and I read really slow. But okay, really that's fair. Too. That's yeah. okay. Oh, also there's a uh, so Andrew Claven. Uh, it's a not a classic yet, but uh, <laughs> he's got a mystery series out right now. And the first one was uh, When Christmas Comes. Yeah. So I started reading through that series. The next one's supposed to release here pretty soon. And but, it, uh, it Andrew Claven is from Andrew Claven. He's a yeah. uh, He's, he's got a show on the Daily, Daily Wire. On the Daily Wire. Okay, I'm just making sure. He's the bald yes. dude, right? Yeah. Okay. Old bald guy. Hot Old Gandalf bald is what they And the Daily Wire is Ben Shapiro's. Mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Work, yeah. Boring, yeah. 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 Yep. It's their line of work there. Uh, I forgot about the Boxcar Children. Honestly, the first novel I probably read was either Little House on the Prairie or American Girl series. That was some of my favorites. Um, but probably the first novel that made a huge impact on my reading was the Cry of the Ice Mark series. Um, and that's actually what I named my cat after. <laughs> it's the main character. But it was about Karen. a it was yes, it was about a sixteen year old princess who her father dies in war and then she takes the throne and has to save her country from an, an opposing um, Spoil- country. Spoiler alert. Oh, well, well, it happens in the first few chapters. It can't be that big of a spoiler. It was probably on the back, too. Anyways, so that was probably the first one that um, impacted me. And then last, before we move on, is what are you currently reading? And again, and it can be in this genre. This precarious moment. I know, that's honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I just started uh, The Once and Future King by T.H. White recently, and it is... I'm like, <laughs> I'll read a chapter, and then it'll be like three weeks later before I read anything else uh-huh. of it. But it's really entertaining. I would say that sounds interesting. It is. It's like it's a really old fantasy novel. I okay. think you would like it. I'm gonna put it in my uh, Kindle. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just trying to get uh, whatever the words is recommendations. So okay. uh, I've got a uh, several books, honestly, but but one that stays on my desk that I'm wanting to devour for church purposes and, and association purposes, and it's the rule. Uh, it, well, it won't come to me now. It's, it's basically a, a rural church that started having multi-campuses. But instead of, quote-unquote, the mega city church, this would have been a, a mini country church that duplicated itself time after time after time in different towns, mm-hmm. you know, close to it. So in, instead of having three campuses of 2,000, like a megachurch would, he had 30 campuses of 200, you know, type deal. It's a very interesting book. Uh, didn't Henry Blackaby uh, have kind of that situation in Canada? Well, yes, but his was more from the perspective of planting complete new church plants. This is, it'd be Bethel in, uh, you know, DeSoto, Bethel in Hillsboro, gotcha. Bethel, you know. And, and again, still, it's, it's just—it's the same thing. It's just a different approach to doing the same thing. It's, it's like skinning the catfish six different ways. Gotcha. You know, you're still skinning the catfish. Gotcha, Uncle Gavin. Do you have anything you're reading currently? Half a dozen. Uh, so I, I just figured. That's, that's a problem. I got, yeah, I me too. Have I have at least twelve open. So I just finished Joshua Slocum's Around the World. If you've never read that one, that's a classic for for sailing pe- for the sailing going people. Almost everybody has a copy of it. Uh, for people who are into sailing or cruising. Okay. Um, th- I can't remember the name of the um, author, but it's a it's a historically it's a, the history of the family, um, and it's pretty thorough. Defining the family throughout history, I, um, 
I'll think of his name in just a second. Uh, I'm about a third of the way through that one. Um, the Self-Sufficient Life and How to Live It is an, mm. another, another one that I've just cracked the book, the first few chapters on. The Foxfire series, I recently got those again and uh -huh. going through those again. Um, my grandparents had those books, and I, when we went to their house, we'd all learn how to make a basket or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Were you the one that gave me the have more plan? Remember mm -hmm. that? Okay. Don't think so. So <coughs> we got like one minute here. I wanted to ask the question along these lines because all four of us have found the value, if you will, of reading. I can't tell you how many people tell me I, I don't read. Is it okay for me to tell them, well, then listen to a podcast? Mm -hmm. Listen to the audio version of that book. I think if they're not going to do anything, that would be a better option. Correct. I mean, I think but there's... nothing. Yeah, I think there's a specific value in reading that you don't get from I listening. agree. You become a better speller, for you, one. Yes. You do. And you know yeah. more words. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you learn Absolutely. just more words. Um, your syntax gets bigger. That's a new word I learned. Syntax. There you go. Uh, but what are... Oh, also audible. Yeah. So, you know, it, then it is so actual book. Like in that, wait a minute. Isn't that when the so quarterback says, when he changes the play, audible? No. no. Okay, I'm sorry. Dude. <laughs> get, get a Prime account. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do the password. Come on. Well, I can get it to where it recognizes your face. Could, I could puck you up. Uh, thank you, Molly. Yeah. Okay. I always have just to do it. Because my other IT person just keeps failing, and that, of course, is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Randy says the Foxfire books are awesome. Yes. I couldn't get enough of them when I was Wait a kid. Wait a minute. Randy I'm reads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, mostly <laughs> pictures. He reads oh, picture books. I'll probably three different languages. There you go. No doubt. Love it. Okay. Well, let's move on then to <laughs> another break. Is the I'm just saying break. Anyone want to start us off with that? Yeah. I See, I didn't even think you liked that. I what do you mean? The I'm just saying yeah. thing? It's not that I didn't like it. I just wanted to do different things. Ah, gotcha. So I'm trying to build up the rotation. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Well, so we're going to do shower thoughts again. I just want to toss that out there. Oh, Lord help. So prepare. You have to Get teach ready. me again what that means. So I'm just saying, the black creme tomato is truly one of the best eating tomatoes that I've ever had. You ever tried black creme yet? No. All right. Just get ready for a revival in your mouth. If, if you like tomatoes. If you like tomato, now if you don't like tomatoes, I don't think Ryan, you like tomatoes. No, do you? I don't. Yeah. So, never so mind. we we just recently had an Arkansas black apple that we didn't really care for it at was all. So not highly unimpressive. So black, if black's in the name, I tend to. Well, shy the away. reason black's in the name is because the very top of the tomato remains greenish blackish. It never turns red, and then the the from the fourth down it turns red, and and it it really has. It, it's considered to be one of the mm. best. You know, tasting tomatoes out there, never and have. I tried it. I've, I've tried them before, and they never really grew. But they grew really well this year, and I've eaten several. We had them on BLTs tonight. They what taste like tomatoes. Okay, <coughs> that's the that's the uneducated palate. But I nonetheless, think if I were to give a, uh, whatever the word a review, it probably has more meat to it than yeah. most other tomatoes. Yeah. So if you want to say that that's why it's better, I could agree with that. I don't know if the taste is I different. got you. Well, for me, it's a flavor thing. So someone else, I'm just saying. Oh, well, mine actually connects with a uh, Layla just texted in. So I'll read mine first. <laughs> is that cinnamon apple flavor is better than pumpkin spice. And she says pumpkin spice stuff is overrated. Huh. I would I agree. I'll I don't take care. care. Yeah. 
I'm in. I, meaning I, I, I'll eat it. I right. like it. It's okay. But it, I'm not like, uh, okay, wait for pumpkin spice. I've actually, I'm pretty sure, never had it because it's just really? one of those things. Because it's so big, I refuse to like it or be a part of it. Well, I'm a shareholder at DQ, so <laughs> I had to try it. <laughs> Uncle Gavin, Ryan, which one? So I got a, I got the dad joke version of I'm just saying. You, you know why you never see elephants in trees, hiding in trees? Because mm. they would fall on you and kill on you before you saw them. It's just because they're just so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you just never see them. Oh, that's good. That's good. Got spy elephants in the trees. <laughs> yeah, we need a laugh track, Brad. <laughs> dad joke laugh track. <laughs> 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 Was that a good one? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, I need to lighten up for my. I'm just saying. (laughs) No, no, no. It's okay. Bring us serious so that we can go into this precarious moment. So I said, uh, confidence is a powerful tool, but false confidence reveals underlying ignorance when seen through the lens of experience. Mm. Wow, that's deep. So the whole fool thing. Confidence can. I've seen confidence fool people, and it's very impressive. But I've also (laughs) seen people who are confident but don't really know what they're talking about, and they just. It's highly unimpressive. Ryan is an old man in young man's body. That's right. So the worst deception is self-deception, you know, and and I believe that's what you're really getting at. You know, what? Why are you so confident? (laughs) You don't have any reason to be confident. Mm -hmm. You're failing at this, you know, type things. I've said this to a teenager who will who will remain nameless. (laughs) When your confidence exceeds your competence, it's arrogance. There you go. And it's deadly. Sorry, I have a just saying from an audience member, but I don't know how to pronounce one of the words. Uh So I'm not going to say, well, you want to try it? Uh, It has to be French or something. Yeah, I've never been to Camp Lejeune. I'm just saying that's the camp that recently got, uh, and I may not be saying it right either. But uh, Lejeune, Lagoon, Lagoon, Lejeune. 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 There you go. Or Lejeune. Lagoonune. Or military experts. Is yeah, and that, that's the camp that just recently, uh, you know, everybody's suing it because oh. <laughs> the, the water was bad. Oh. So why is everybody not suing Detroit? Because <laughs> <laughs> hadn't their water been oh, bad yeah. for years Flint, now? Flint, wasn't it Flint? Uh, yeah, Flint, that's yeah. Flint, Michigan. Uh, yes, uh. they have. They are suing them. Okay, moving on to this precarious moment. Our last, we have been everywhere tonight. (laughs) Um, And so uh, we're starting a new section tonight in this precarious moment on immigration. I got to say, I started, I I listened to it and read it on the way to and from work, and I just couldn't listen to this. It just made me so angry. Yeah, you know, they kind of started it off on Chapter 12 talking about, can we just take a deep breath for a second and... Ouch. Then they just kept saying words that made us mad and we couldn't breathe. I'm just kidding. Well, so, I mean, you know, what I love about these guys is that they just deal in brass tacks. And uh, the the first thing that they bring out here is that, you know, it's likely what you're about to read will challenge you no matter which side of this debate you're on. And if you believe the biblical proverb, iron sharpens iron – Having your thinking tested with sound ideas and reasoning can make you a stronger and better person, then you will probably find this section useful. And when it comes to these six areas that this book is hitting on, as Christians, we must put our opinions and anger aside, and we must strive to reach the other side with reason, 
uh, and compassionate again. Well, you can't do that if you don't understand the, the argument. And so, uh, you know, he says here, the issues of immigration have become so polarized today that the nomenclature used here may be offensive for some, and that is, can we all just take a deep breath? For example, many are profoundly di disturbed at the use of the phrase illegal aliens or illegal immigrants, and they see it as a condescending, degrading, or and degrading. They hold that proper phrase, uh, they hold that the proper phrase is undocumented persons, but we will use the terms undocumented and illegal interchangeably because they have the same meaning. I do just want to point out that that is the part, just to bring politics into it just a little bit, is that that's part of the progressives' play is to change, change the, the words yeah. so that they can then change the definition, even though it's been the same way for years or for you know for hundreds of years. And that, that they bring out that the words that they're trying to change, they like to say that they're divisive, that they're dehumanizing, and um, that they're racial or xenophobic, but they're just words, and they're simply describing something else. And so when you say illegal, you're not demeaning that person right. as a human, you're describing the actions that they have taken right. to get to a specific place. He says the term is accurate. Yeah. It's accurate. Referring to a person who entered the country illegally or came legally, then violated the law by overstaying visa provisions. Now that, that middle part of page 49, I really love the hypocrisy confronted. Right. Uh, because, you know, he says, for example, some rant and rave about illegal immigrants in the country, but then they don't complain about the lower prices of freshly picked produce, reduced construction costs, or cheaper labor for gardening, housekeeping, hotel help, nursing home assistance, and a host of other tasks, often preferred by illegals, I'm sorry, performed by illegals at less than appropriate wages. That's hypocrisy. But then the other side of it, they demand open borders, strenuously object to extreme vetting, and support the availability of generous government services for all who enter. But they live behind locked doors, walls, they have security for, uh, task force and the such. That's hypocrisy. So uh, he gets here, you know, what, what's the goal? Well, if you, wanna, if you wanna hear us say, just open the borders to anyone who wants to come in, for it's the Christian thing to do, you want. And if you want to hear round up the 11 million identified illegals and throw them out of the country for following the law is the Christian thing to do, you won't. We don't care about political hyperbole, that is what's right or left. Rather, we care about what the Bible says and history confirms. So the, the cool thing is, is that you know, he deals here with the broken system. He's got some bullet points. And, and uh, it doesn't matter to me if someone wants to read those or if you want us to just refer to them. How do you want us to handle that, Molly? Well, I just kind of underlined the words that kind of stood out to me. So just talking about, they talked that our borders are open and unprotected and the government is unable to track down immigrants and there's too many immigrants with criminal backgrounds who are admitted. Um, tens of thousands of immigrants are welcome who have a sworn allegiance <coughs> to philosophies that overthrow our constitutional system. Um, and then enforcement of existing immigration laws is indefinitive. De mm -hmm. um, and many cities and states have different laws and don't enforce those, their own immigration laws. Um, and to get here legally, this is something that I've thought about and I just don't know how to, like in my little brain, have no idea how to fix this. but that to get here legally takes years, but illegally only takes days. Mm -hmm. um, that is something that, uh, that I've always thought, like, we need to, you know, how do we change that? Right. 
because I think even when we ha- first were having people come over, it didn't it didn't take years. Right. So I don't understand what happened from then to now that we has changed. We do talk about it. that later in the book. Uh, okay. It talks about the, the length of time. They even, so the founders even recommend that somebody live here at least five years before they became were eligible. Mm. So they became acclimated to our customs and saw how things right. worked. So they didn't come over and just become a citizen as right. a, you know, a communist or um, a monarchist. Uh, that's who, who they were worried about, is monarch, monarchism. Monarchy. The problem comes when you divorce the laws from the founding fathers' uh, reasons. Intents. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what we have is laws on the books that nobody knows why they're on the books. I, I don't know that I could have told you before I read this book that the main purpose of uh, citizenship was to assimilate. This whole thing of not damaging and hurting people's culture, we practice that with everybody's culture except her own. Right. You know, we, we tell people, you can't tell them how to act and this, that, and the other. And so what do they do? They come over here and they bring their culture over here and it destroys ours. And so, the, the, you know. From a culture that in a lot of times they were fleeing. Yeah. Correct. Right. Well, kind of like Californians that go to Texas and still vote liberal. But anyway, um, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Now, uh, back to the book. And Well, well <laughs> we can keep kind of talking. Because, I mean, we're talking about the immigration system right. here. But um, they just mentioned the point of when you have something broken in your home, you either fix it or get it fixed. You don't leave it broken <clears throat> for 30 years. Uh, and I think we could probably argue that it, the immigration has been broken for more than 30 years. No probably. doubt. So, so th- the last chapter here that we have in front of us for tonight he starts the argument, and we won't finish it till next week, but he starts the argument of why Christians that try to use the Bible to support, quote, unquote, illegal immigration, they don't have a leg to stand on. Right. And it all is based on Leviticus 19.34. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And uh, the, the bottom line is, is that they have used this because, you know, these illegal immigrants are strangers to us. And so in, in the name of this verse, we are to love them. We are to receive them no matter what, no questions asked and the such. And if that was what the verse was saying, they would have a point. Um, and again, you know, to, to get a, a fine point, we'll talk more when we get there next week. Uh, that's out of context. That is not what this verse means. Yeah, there's there's two things that they're taking for granted there, and that is the language with which the Bible was written. And so the word strangers there can actually mean multiple different things. Correct. And then also I really enjoyed that um, section to whom the commandment was given, talking about how God addresses, there's four different realms of authority. Right. And he's addressing a specific realm of authority in that verse, and it's not the government. And so they're trying to argue that we need to have these immigration laws, which is government, because of this verse. But in this verse, God's not talking to the government. So it's not something that the government has to litigate. Correct. Correct. And, And again, you know, the fix for me is us getting back to what the founding fathers wanted to do. And that was, sure, they wanted to have, if you will, in quotations, open borders. That anyone that's willing to come in according to our laws, they can. But at any point in time that they say, no, 
I can't do that. I'll not be true to my beliefs. Then you need to go back to where your beliefs are accepted. Because here we do things this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I swear if I had the time or the resources, I would write a book, The Invention of Countries. Countries' borderlines were invented so that people of like ideologies could aggregate and live together in harmony. Right. So borderlines are a peacekeeping device to keep people who believe the same things and practice the same cultures together, and they have a place to do that. And what's very interesting to me in the political scene is how um, one side likes to argue that immigration is America's problem. Like American or America is always the one trying to keep other people out. Like we're the ones who don't allow people to join us. We want, you know, we're the ones who um, have strict borders and everything and strict immigration rules. Mm -hmm. But when you look at other countries, I mean, a lot of times we talk about, you know, a lot of Mexicans flee Mexico into America. Mexico's immigration laws are 10 times harder than ours. And all of the other countries, like Europe, like they like their borders. They are very happy with their borders and how they are separated. Like there is a yeah. reason why we separate right. into groups, and there's nothing. There is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having nations in it's humanity. Biblical. Yes, it's biblical. Well, in the Great White Throne Judgment, they're going to be divided up into nations. Right. You know, and the such. So, Amen. F fences are God's idea. Borders are God's idea. There's a wall around heaven. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Okay, we're going to end with that because I, I liked that phrase. So we'll go more into chapter 14 next week. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. Invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives for next week um, and share the word on your socials. But before we sign off, a word of wisdom in one or two sentences from Pastor Ben. You actually said one can minute. He, can he do it? No, 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 no. Uh, no yes, the outro did. is one. <laughs> I did not say you had a minute. Okay, well, I'm the pastor. Three areas everyone needs to have I talk a firm <laughs> grasp on before you can say you are a mature Christian. Three areas. Spiritual warfare equals you understand the armor and you use it. Spiritual service, you understand spiritual gifts and you use yours and cultivate the others. Spiritual fruit, bearing you bear inner fruit and outward fruit. Galatians 5, 22, 23. All right, awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a good night.